The record button has been pressed. So it is time for... Joel's Finding the Flow. Like real philosophical sort of discussions. You know when people get high? <laughs> it's pure Joel. Don't count your fans before they hit. <laughs> but we hit a flow in the conversation. Um, I think I'm open I mean, your I'm in my mind head. with. I think I'm gonna hit. Finding the flow with Joel Franklin. Hello, everybody, again for another Finding the Flow with Joel. Uh, my interview today is with May Louise Barkin, who is a staple of the community. She's been here a while, and she's also the mother of of Miriam, who was a very important figure in the the fellowship. And um, so uh, that was fun. And now I feel like uh, it was a little bit of a shorter interview. Now I got a little time. I haven't done this in a while uh, because you know it's it's um uh it's a it's a, quite a bit of work to edit interviews compared to my normal style and this is a little bit of my normal style for anyone that might might be listening that haven't listened to any of the past episodes my normal style is our normal style uh, one of one of the styles uh podcasts come in many ways maybe this could be a little education in podcasts Podcasts come in many ways, many forms. Um, some of them very free form, some of them edited, some of them whatever. You know, it's it's basically like I consider it maybe like trying to fill air on a live radio show. Having that sort of energy, I think, um, creates hopefully a skills. You know, creates a better skill set in how to talk. And talk better <laughs> tries to make you more careful when you're talking, and also it hopefully brings that flow energy, which is the name of the show, finding the flow. Um, so hopefully the flow is starting to be made here, and you're starting to hear me talk. And I'm gonna talk about uh, the fact that um, I have some new things in my life that uh, I have not been able to bring up yet, or, or just haven't really had a chance to think what's new in my life. Sometimes you have to stop and like, I can't even, when is the last time I've talked to you guys, you know, and uh, what's interesting. I mean, it's funny. I mean, things in the present, you could talk about like a million things going on right now. But in the as things go on, like the things you remember, like it's it like totally you end up remembering so much less or or like uh, at least in my, my life, I have to sit down and think, wow, I did this, I did this, I did this. So one of the more interesting things going on with me right now is I'm on a uh, a life change with food. Uh, I I don't I refuse to call it diets because I think diets are are a bunch of crap most of the time. Like most of the time, it's just something to get us motivated to to try to do it again. But really, it's the simple concept of work more, eat less eat less crappy stuff and uh you'll you'll be healthy uh for the most part you 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 know all diets aside i mean it's good to be conscious of what you're eating but if you want to be healthy there's a pretty simple road to it 
or at least a sim- simple concept. And uh, and so really, I think a lot of what food has to do is with psychology filling a void um, and addiction. Which, you know, when people are more prone to going after the, you know, going, leaning on their addictions is usually times when they're in an emotional or or psychological state that's usually more depressed or affected, you know. So, so food is a, is a vice. It's something that's, you know, not considered necessarily a drug, but it really is in some ways. And, uh... And the problem is that, you know, um, sometimes it's hard to tell when some people are addicts in certain ways. But when you're a food addict, you know, it's it's um, pretty easy to tell. Um, so I have started the life change, which is not eating sugar anymore. So that means no more like... I, well, I, I, you know, the, the definition is is changing every day. I mean, kind of, not not really, but basically, I'm avoiding anything with refined sugar in it. Um, like I consider syrups refined, and I consider sugar, you know, in in the dry form, refined sugar. Um, I, I I'm trying to get any of my sweets out of the whole uh, plant. So, for instance, I am eating, you know, fruit. I can eat fruit, banana. You know, if I want to sweeten something, I'll just, like, put raisins on it or or grind up a banana. I mean, it's not that hard, and it's actually not that bad at all, you know. I mean, um, because when when the fruit has the whole, you know, uh, fiber and the whole fruit along with it, I believe it's a much more balanced diet. It's a much more balanced. I think it slows down the sugar digestion uh, because of the maybe because of the fiber, or maybe because of whatever whatever else is in the the fruit, and um, and it's nice. I mean, so so it, it's it hasn't been that hard for me to do it. You know, um, like big things, like easy things to not do for me is I don't have to do pop you know uh, soda pop or anything like that like that I don't have any cravings for that I don't have any cravings for you know like candy candy really the the biggest things that I have cravings for when I see them is is like uh, a brownie like uh, baked goods cookies and uh, chocolate those are the big ones that are hard not to, to indulge in um uh so so I haven't I haven't I for 2 months now. I mean it's it's a it's I feel like you know I'm proud of that fact but I'm also like I'm very um I'm impressed with what's been happening. Um I find like you know I I'm not one for diets but I I try to not eat too much like a pig. And uh, I find that I do sometimes, especially when I'm just in the zone, just not thinking too much and just like, you know, shoveling food in my mouth and, and chewing, you know, not really 
you know, thinking about thinking anything when I'm eating, you know, just just blind, you know, just <laughs> just like plow my head into the to the, to the um, uh, what do they call it? Where pigs eat out of into the trough, plow my head into the trough. And um, so so basically, I'm trying to be a more conscious eater. And and so without sugar. I've lost like 20 pounds and I'm not trying to lose weight. I'm, j- I'm basically trying to, to take care of an addiction. That's really where where it's at. I, I feel like sugar is something that uh, that we've been introduced since we were like as very little. You know, I mean, sh- I mean sugar is part of things. You know, it's, it's not like, you know, the uh, mother's milk is sweet. You know, a lot of the food we give kids are sweet. You know, sweet things in the wild, if you taste something that's sweet, that usually means it's not poisonous. That's usually a sure sign that that you have something that is, um, uh, you know, edible. And and so things that are not are the things that kids need to like a little time to to get used to. But we we take apart the sugar you know, we extract it from the plant and then we, you know, inject it into something else. And, uh, and so when, when you get that, I I don't know, it seems different. Whatever the package is, when you, you know, eat, eat a cookie or something like that, the package of, of food, like it's like, uh, flour and sugar and, and eggs and everything, like whatever that package of food, it's, it's like, you know, very addictive and it's, and you could eat lots of them and it's pleasant to eat. There's no like, like when I eat too much of a berries or something like that, you start to get this like, like astringent feeling in your stomach, like, like, all right, all right, I can't eat any more berries. You know, it's like there's some, some limit. Uh, and, and so, um, you, you know, you just don't get that with, uh, most, refined sugar food so so either way it's addictive i think and it's very easy to it's one of those types of foods that's like during you know breaks and and during the night you know it's so easy to eat like a million of them you know and i just remember eating you know just getting that oh eating fucking packages of oreos you know in my life you know and and uh obviously you know (laughs) it adds up and it's nothing but crap uh, so, so I'm off it. I'm off sugar and I've lost, uh, quite a bit of weight and it's, it's exciting. Um, another thing is that, um, we're the, the milk program, the dairy program has got some, some, um, potential. It's looking, looking, things are looking up, things are getting organized, um, we had this guy Bruno come here, and uh, he he's basically a compost uh, specialist. But really, I think he um, was bringing a sense of consciousness that I think I sometimes lack when I'm, especially when I feel like I'm being overworked. So um, I don't I don't know what what it just when. When all of a sudden I see like this this um, 
a level of organization and I and it makes it feel like it like not only do I care now about it but I also know really when you get when you've done things long enough I, I think you start to realize that when you get organized things are so much better you know it's 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 like um you can only go so long before everything just piles on you unless you are kind of keeping it like tucked away and organized and, and in check it's uh and it's so easy for it to pile up things things are so fast paced so um i'm just excited because uh, he kind of brought a little bit of an organization um aspect to the farm and it's 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 applying really well and uh also the farm is got had us a lot of milk and we've been doing cheese for a while, but um, we've been really getting hounded by these inspectors and, and milk inspectors. By the way, you know, it's probably the most hardest type of inspector to deal with because it's it's very serious. Milk's, milk is a, you know, product that's very perishable and, and very likely, even if you did all the right things, someone could get sick with milk. I mean, milk is just one of those products. Um, so the inspectors are really tough and they come often. They come once a month and you, you've always got to be on your game. So, so either way, we, our cheese program, it's nice, but it's, it's, uh, you know, it's basically, you know, some walls put up in, in the farmhouse basement and which is, there's no problem with that. But I mean, with the, the rigorousness of the inspectors, you know, I mean, it, that, that I think will, would work as someone's home cave. But I don't know if it would work as well as a as a cave that's inspected for a you know a, a facility. So so I th- we we we're working on that. But but either way, that means we have a lot of extra milk. And so I've been starting to take on like this marketing role and and sales um, of of milk. And I've been going to co-ops and I've been selling, you know, our product and, and telling, telling them why, you know, it's better. And, and every place, you know, they, they take some, um, and now we've gotten to four markets, three co-ops and one, one store that's pretty big. Um, that, that, uh, is, is over in, you know, it's like in a big plaza. It's, you know, it's a big store in a strip. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of, exciting to deal with that sort of level but uh it i it's just been inspiring me to to like kind of get get moving getting active in the farm and so a lot of a lot of things have been improving and changing and getting in the works and getting organized and planning that we haven't done and that have been problems that we feel like you know we all want to fix and so we just need to to have the will uh, to start doing it and the energy. I mean, it, it's all all. It's, it's not easy to keep it up with with hard work on top of all that. So so it's nice that to be able to um, try this out. I've been enjoying the whole sales thing, especially when you have milk that's good, and uh, um, yeah, it's exciting. All right. So without further ado. I give you my interview with May Louise Barkin. I got in with me today May Louise yes. Barkin. And Barkin was your married name, right? 
Barker was my married name. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And uh, what was your maiden name? Nussbaum. Nestbaum? N-U-S-B-A-U-M. Aha. Uh-huh. Good. Which, which in German means what? Uh... I couldn't tell you. Baum. Nut, nut tree. Nut tree. Does yes, baum, right. baum means tree? Yes. Ah, interesting. And a nuss, nuss is a nut tree. <laughs> May Louise nut tree. No. <laughs> well, that's up to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so <clears throat> you were, uh, what year were you born? 1922. 1922. All yes. right. That makes me how, you, you want to figure it yeah, out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it means you're either 93 or 94. Yeah, 93 and a half. And a half. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. So you've, you've been around for a while. You, you, so that means that you, um, you, uh, were, were quite aware during the World War II. Oh, absolutely. Where did you live when you were born? Where were you born? Uh, in uh, Jamaica, New York. Uh, I went to a private school because that was, and we were fairly isolated, but I went to a private school. We, we were very prosperous at that time. Yeah, the roaring we had, we, 20s. We, we had a maid and a gardener. Ah. But then we, the family lost, uh, lost money. They lost all their money, and we had to get rid of the house and get rid of the maid and the chauffeur and all of that. So then we had to uh, move to a uh, small house. And at that time, I also walked to school, and the the walk was uh, two miles long, and we didn't have any bus, and we had to carry all of our books. Uh, so you say back. we. Do you have siblings? Yes. Who? Um, okay, I have, uh, I'm a middle child of three. Three girls. Uh huh. Oh, very nice. Yes. So, so what was the business that that you that right. was so my, proper yes. prosperous? My 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 grand my grandparents came over from uh, Bialystok. Ah, that's where. Um, yes, that's where, uh, I know. A Doris. lot of people came over at that time. Poland. Yes, but it wasn't always Poland. Uh, Russia. It would have been like Russia, Poland. Yeah, yes. like in between. You know. Yes, my grandfather was a tailor when he came over. Tailor. Uh, and he was very, very well respected and quite wealthy. But then, he he was um, Jewish. Yes. Now, um, uh, Doris had a. I I asked the same thing to Doris because um, I heard something about there seems to be so many Jewish people in the garments industry. That's right. That's right. And I asked her because I thought I heard some some fact that uh, that the the Germans would only allow the Jewish people to do so many jobs. Yes. And and tailoring and and the textile industry was one of them. That's right. And so they really specialized in that. And the the craftsmanship was excellent. Yeah, sure. Yes, and it, the, that uh, lasted for a long time. I don't know where they got all the fabric from. Well, so, I I went to I went to school. It was a, a because we lived in a small town. Everything was on a small basis. But when we lost our house, it was a, going from a small private place this place was had 5000 students and three sessions from 
So impersonal. Yeah, my my mom came from a monster school like that. It was a public school, I'm guessing. So so was it still in Jamaica, New York? This was Hollis. That we had to buy a little house. Yeah. We we when we had the big house, we had all our relatives coming to live in our big house. And uh, they worked the gardens. They worked everything. And but the, we had to we had to sell that. Mm. You take when when you are poor. You you it, you don't think of it as that. The parents think of it as that. But we just played, and you just uh, do what kids do. Yep, yep, yep. So so you went to to a much bigger school then, and so it was a lot crazier and things changed dramatically since you you moved yes it was very impersonal mm-hmm. but uh, you know you could make a you could make a t- very nice friendship with a teacher which i did yeah it was very lovely so then after graduated i wanted to go to college but i wanted to be east of the mississippi okay um i wanted something with had, had both art and academics and I went to Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. Uh-huh. That it was necessary not only to be in the art, as, as I was w- working with uh, teachers, that, that to, uh, I, was, I was given a class on, of, called BOCES, Board of Cooperative Educational Services, and I knew nothing about special ed. Uh-huh. <laughs> but your, your fine arts meaning you would you would work with them doing art. Uh well that was of course after I graduated. After you graduated. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And when I went to college I was uh interested in pottery depression it hit and hit hard because my uh my father's factory was making cashmere, cashmere sweaters. Ah, cashmere. Yes. Okay, a real nice. Uh, and meal. that was, and and that became a luxury that no one can afford. Oh, I also had braces on my teeth, <laughs> and one of the braces f- fell down the toilet. Oh no! Yes, I I had a retainer I lost, right, and right. I felt and, so terrible. That's right. <sighs> and uh, after that, my family couldn't afford it, so I. Had buck teeth for a while. Yeah. Uh huh. That I I don't know if I told. Okay, my mother was a Christian scientist. Okay. And uh, my father was an ethical culturist. He, you know, ethical culture. No. What does that mean? Ethics being yes, like... it's just like being a, a, an atheist or an agnostic. You know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So so I almost sounds ethical culturist almost sounds like a like a profession or something. No, but, but no, it's, it's, it's it's a religious it, or it, like affiliation. And we we did not we did not uh, go to church or temple. We we had discussions about all all of uh, what's the meaning of of this and and what what's the meaning of God and. And I would take from from living in the suburbs. I would take when I was uh, how old? Uh, maybe fourteen, something like that. I would take the uh, the, the bus and the subway and uh, all by myself. And I went up to 
to uh, 65th Street and uh, Central Park West, uh-huh. and I and uh, and so that was that it's was my father's side. My mother's ride. side was, as I say, a Christian, uh, a Christian scientist. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah okay. the, the the most the the one thing I know about Christian scientists, which is not to be confused with Scientology. That's right. Um, is, <laughs> but far from it. Yeah, far from it. Is that they don't believe in in treating sickness. That's right. Well, I can tell you what. When you say they don't believe in doctors, when I had my uh, I had appendicitis, you had you had it when you were pregnant. Not, my mother did not want to bring a doctor, and she said you're you're going to heal, and we'll uh, we'll we'll know, we'll think, we'll be together, we'll uh, and so, but there was no doctor, and I was out of school for the longest time, and I they just healed. Um, but she had a friend come in and and was had, had a little medical uh, experience, but uh, for the long uh, longest time. And then the appendix erupted. Went no, not at that time. Yeah. When I got married. Uh huh. And I was with uh, I was with pregnant with my first child. The appendix started to. Blossom to burst, you oh, know. Oh boy! Yes, and so that they, the, the hospital said, you've got to have your appendix out. Yep. And so, and so I did, and I have a nice scarf to prove it. Yeah, you know, my um, my wife talked to you about this because she had an epidectomy when she had Ada. Yeah. And uh, they were like really nervous about it because you know it's very close to the baby. That's right. And uh, so both you and Sarah are pretty lucky. Yeah. You know, you you went all right. So what was were you? You have uh, two daughters, right? Yes. And who were you pregnant with then? And what? Which which one were you pregnant with? The first one. Okay, and that was yes, Judy. Judy. Judy's the older. Yes, the doctor. Uh, Put a large mirror above me. Mirror. And he said you can watch the whole process, and uh, if it begins to hurt, we'll give you a sedative. That's how I had my appendix out. But when when it began, to, no, that's when I was at college. Now this is this is a time when I was at college, and I had my first child. We were living at a in a walk up at that time. At, at, in in uh, in, in Miami was that yes, when you were in Miami? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And when I, you make a chair, you know, with with your hands and like oh yeah this. yeah I know what you're talking about. Yes, mm-hmm. and so I this whole process of the appendix coming out, I laughed so much with sitting in this chair because the fellas would take me up this this the stairs the stairways and. I just laughed so hard. I just, but that was when I, it was really hurting. I didn't hurt so much when the, when the operation, yeah. but that's what it hurt so much when, when I, when I laughed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, my wife said the same thing. Yeah. The, the, um, that, uh, I was making her laugh and she said, stop it. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> stop. Uh, there's that orthos, whatever the, where, where they blow in air and then they, they do it with just a couple holes. But you probably had 
couple of holes. No, you probably got an incision, right? Oh, I do. I have a big, still have a big scar. Yeah. So I get now, now you end up with three little holes, you know. Yeah. Because they do it, do it that way now. Yeah. So, but still, even so, it's still tough. And, uh, I guess, you know, you just got to take it easy. You know, you can't, you can't go too hard. And then, yeah, you, right. you can't laugh because well, it's all in your abdomen. Of course, things, of course, things are different now. Yeah. yeah even, even when you have the birth of a child, we used to have to be in, in the hospital for 10 days. Ay, ay, ay. And, and now they, they, they just, you're in and out. My wife had a three, three babies in the bathtub. <laughs> that, that's what we're doing nowadays. Yeah. So where did you, you met your husband in college then? Yes. Okay. Uh, and because, what was his name? All right. I met my husband in, in a very interesting kind of a way. Okay. Uh, when I went to college, the my roommate said, uh, would you please go down and uh, talk with this man down there? I have a date with him, but I'm not quite ready. So I went downstairs and I, we started a conversation and it was very very nice and then but he was going on a date with your friend no it was so that he he found out who i was he got my phone number and but she she she, she followed through with the date but then he called me and uh that was that was it we <laughs> okay yeah so yeah. what was his name his name was leonard and he was a very fine, fine artist. So you both went to art school and, together. That's right. That's right. He yeah. was. He was also a. I would say, uh, in, in an analysis, he was. He was extremely brilliant. He came from Cleveland, so he was an Ohio native. Yeah. Uh, but then the war started. Now he was just about to graduate. Okay, so so both of you were going to graduate around the same time. We were both. He was a year ahead of me. Okay, and so One year. so this was the the late thirties, early forties. We were married in forty four. Yes, he was. He already had his uniform on. When when you got married, and where I where we got married was with my family was in New York City. Uh, then he. We took the train back, and he, uh, he had his uniform on, and we went, we went back to uh, Oxford. Then he uh, was uh, recruited for to go to Georgia, and went to the Cooks and Bakers School, and he was <laughs> very, very popular. Oh yeah! But then, and he also, oh, then he was sent to North Africa, and when he was in, when he was there. Before going on to the uh, the, the uh, real fighting, they it was a large uh, hall, and he said, "Well, as long as I'm here, I'll paint murals of the uh, hometown of all of you." So uh-huh. if if you someone was from Kentucky or from uh the west coast or Florida order he was able to paint uh indigenous aspects of each one of these so he made the mural these murals so he thought that when he was going to North Africa he said he was going 
to be moved, they would send him to do some of the uh, public relations. Ah, yeah, that makes sense. Yes, it would make sense, but they, they didn't. didn't. They need they needed fighters. <laughs> what division of the military was he in? He was, he was Ar- army, a, marine, army, army. Yes. And so he they needed fighters. So so he he um, wasn't able to do public relations, but he he was also there right at the end of the war. Right, he 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 was he was in dugouts. Yeah, and like um, uh, what do you call them? Trenches. Yes, right. And yeah. it it was at that point in North Africa and Italy. North Africa and Italy. When when he was uh, down in the uh, in the trenches, though, he was uh, he he was shot, and he, and he was he lost. Uh, three of his fingers. Wow! And but he, uh, you know, he lost two. Yeah, two of his fingers. Two of his fingers. And uh, on his but good this hand. was this was on his left hand. And fortunately, he was a right. He was a right-handed person, yeah, so that, he could do all of his artwork. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Oh, oh boy. Yes, he was discharged after he was a long time in the. In in the hospital in Cleveland, and he he played ping pong while he was, <laughs> <laughs> and he became ping pong champion. Right? It, okay. Then, uh, and I did go up to Cleveland with him because we were married at the time, and I worked at B R Baker in Cleveland now, as a as a window display designer. Now you said you were having your first child while still in college. Uh. No, it was. Uh, so, so your your first child was after right. he got back from from Ju- the war. Uh, Judy was born born in nineteen forty six, and Mir uh, and Miriam in forty eight. Okay, so so it was right after he was back yes. from the war, yeah. right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Then he went. He was asked to come back to teach in Geneseo, so we lived there for a while at the college. At the college. Uh, and uh, Judy was uh, very musical and taking uh, piano lessons. Yeah. And Miriam was musical. And she was getting flute lessons. But it was all very amateurish. Leonard was he, he was he was teaching also art and and profess was being a professor as well as art. Okay, so then, but. It was a small town, so people were advising, "Why don't you go to the big city?" And then, and then, and the big city was Rochester. Rochester, yes. And so, when we got to Rochester, uh, Leonard worked uh, taught at RIT. Miriam and uh, Judy went to uh, the the college, the schools there. Yeah, that and, would have been around Henrietta area, or uh, no, no, right, right, in, right, right in the city, right, oh, in, right the in the city, city. right yep. in the city. Mm-hmm. It was, it was very good. Yeah, I, <clears throat> my brother lives uh, or used to live on East River Road, and my my yes, my yes. Uh, sister in law does uh-huh. uh, typing for RIT right now. You know, uh-huh. they, I have a couple siblings that live in the Rochester area, and we we bought it. We we were able to buy a house. We had an AFS student, 
and uh, what does AFS mean? AFS is American Field Service. Okay. And so we, uh, you you can pick a student from any country. So we had a girl from Finland, and that was supposed to be an interesting experience, but it was much too. I won't. I won't really go into that. Cause she, but you said so. I, I see. She lived in the house with you. She lived in the house with us. She had. <coughs> she had never gone to a co-ed school, and if you know, you know what Zavtik means. Say that. You know what Zavtik is. Zavtik. Zavtik. Yes, it's a German. Oh, Zavtik. Yes, Zavtik. Okay, it's a German word. Yeah. It means she was well built. Oh. <laughs> and she had always gone to a girls' school. Okay, so, so she she didn't get too much boy, right. boy exposure. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> uh, whole new world for her. And that drove my fa- my it it drove Leonard crazy. Yeah. We had a house, and as I say, I had I had the my I put my kiln in there and my clay and I the whole works. Yeah, that yeah, sounds right. lovely. So, uh, so so um, he worked as a professor at RIT, and you you were doing your own personal lessons in the pottery yes, and yes. raising your kids. Yes, um, and you stayed in Rochester that whole time. Yes, it was Rochester, and I I worked at the science museum. Ah, that's beautiful museum. Yes, what what were what was your job at the museum? Well, it was not a paid job; it was a volunteer, and worked with the personnel and, and learned about all of what was going on at the museum. Yes, as a matter of fact, what I have here. Yeah, sure. Okay, is. <laughs> Uh, many years later, I got a uh, well. I did some some pen work, some drawing for them, and I made. The, I worked at the, one of the publications, and so this is. So May okay, Louise has shown me a, a brochure. These are, these are pen and ink drawings. Yeah. And after all these years, I got I, um, and they used these for. For uh, cards, uh huh, yeah. And so have, you have you have nice, beautiful, like very realistic yes pictures with ink and ink and you know paper of of looks like buildings at the at the yes. science museum. That's that's right, and they use them for cards. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, you um, it reminds me my 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 grandma who is around your age, a little bit older. She went to Pratt. Oh yes, and uh, she she would do drawings like this for uh-huh. for the for the military. Oh really? For for them, you know, as little description as possible to yeah. t- assemble things. You uh-huh. know, like little diagrams of how to assemble yeah. things. But that's that's really nice. And and I see you know your your husband and your artwork all over the place. And and uh, but you know how old my husband was? Did I tell you? How old he was, was when was he, he older, died? Was he older than you when you? He was. He was. He died very young. Oh. He died of a brain tumor at the age of fifty. Oh boy. Yeah. So you've been, uh, you know, widowed for quite a long time. That's right. Yeah. It doesn't mean that I didn't have friends, but I. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So okay. So so were you in Rochester all the way till then? Yes. Uh, uh, 
Uh, I mean, I, not to say that you would leave immediately, but I mean, I'm just curious yeah. if that would have made made you think about going. Over, after he, after he he died, I and the the girls were uh, both away from home now. College. Yeah, uh, Judy went to Potsdam. Just like me. That's right. And Miriam went to University of Chicago, and that's where she met Gerald. Ah, so Gerald is the doctor at the commun- fellowship community here. Yeah. So you, you're she. And- they, were, they were both in the orchestra. That's how they met through the. Ah. Yeah, Miriam played the flute in the orchestra, and Gerald, <laughs> I think, the violin. violin. Yeah. yeah, at least that seems like what he plays. So, um, so was that how you learned about the fellowship when? Uh, when Miriam, I mean Miriam and Gerald, did they get married? Right, now, married. Okay. Now, uh, <clears throat> I then we I sold, we sold the big house that we had in Rochester. In, in Rochester, and I moved to a a small one story uh, home f- for myself in the outskirts of. Uh, I, it was in Geneseo. Did you still have a? Now, wait a it was in the suburb, yes. So I, I bought this nice little house and I lived in it, and it had a nice piece of uh, property, and I had a little pond, and I, you know, so. That um, sounds nice. It was near Ellison Park, if you know Ellison yep. Park. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, one day, I had a problem with. Evidently, I kind of fainted. And uh, and I was alone in the house, but uh, Miriam and uh, oh, I went to the doctor, and the doctor said I should not have, I should not live alone, or uh, drive. At that point, that the the uh, Miriam and Gerald came up because I had a I had a brain tumor. Just I mean, you and your husband. It almost makes you wonder. Yeah. That what? It almost makes you wonder. You and your whole husband both got it. Yes. So anyway, that's... So when the doctor said that, I mean... How, how old were you? Well, I came here. I've been here. I've been here nine, eight or nine years now. So that you you moved here when you had the brain tumor? No, that was in Rochester. Yeah. So how old were you when you had, were diagnosed with that? Well, subtract that number from 93. No, nine years ago from 93? Okay, so you you were uh, 84. Yeah. Okay. So well well after you had had been living on your own. So you lived on your own in... Right, and it was was lovely there. Yeah. So did Miriam and Gerald get married pretty young? Were they out of college? Yes, there are some wonderful pictures, you know, of here of their marriage. Oh yeah. Oh, they got they got married. They were all here for a long time, and uh, Miriam was uh, she 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 was here for thirty years. Yeah, I know for, for uh, and people depended on her. You know, it was just quite quite different. Yeah, and so you then got your diagnosis. And so nine years ago, you, you they suggested you needed to to move somewhere where they were that that you weren't alone. That's right. 
Okay. So so that was nine years ago, and so that, that's what brought you to the fellowship. So what did you think of this place? I mean, you must have heard a lot about it since your daughter had been I there. Did not, I did not know anything about anthroposophy. I did not know about any of really. Uh, I would hear about some things of what, what Miriam was doing. And and so when what 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 was your impression when you got here? Well, of course, I was. Uh, it, it was just a, a lot a lot of people. I w- I would be introduced to five people, and I would say I will remember the f- names of five people, and then I was introduced to another five people, and immediately <laughs> immediately lost the names of the first five people. But after a while, you get used to uh, yeah. yeah. And so you've probably seen a lot of change since you've been here, come, coming in and out. Yes. Did you start off living in this room, or did you probably were living? No, this was Henry Barnes' room. Oh yeah, I. And so I was put, just plunked here, right here. Yeah. When when were you living? Where would you live when you first moved here? When you always first moved? always in this room. Always in this room. That's you managed right. to be here for nine years. Yeah. That's nice. So you're well well rooted. Some <laughs> some some people, you know, a uh, pretty usual course is that they're in the outer yeah. buildings uh-huh. and then they eventually move here. Yes. So um how how have you fared during these years? Well, I've I've found an, an, enough niches. I some people say I'm bored and I think to myself, how can you be bored around here? Yeah, no I way. spent a lot of time when I came here f- at first in the in the pottery studio. Yeah, right up your alley. Do you, um, are you able to anymore? I'm able to now, but I've I've got another interests. And uh, during this time here, of course, Miriam died, and you didn't know her. No, I hear many s- stories. And especially, I play the flute myself, and uh, everyone says like how Miriam was such a good flute player. Yes, yes. And Judy is teaches music. Yes, and she's a very good vocalist. Oh, she does a lot in music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And out in California. Yep, out in California. And when I when Miriam died up there, this is a in. In memory of her, I I made that piece of out of clay. Oh, I see the the little pot. Yes, yes. Oh wow, that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, from what I I you know I'll describe it. It's it's kind of on a little mound and uh, and it looks like a person sticking their nose up to this to the air and uh, and their hair is covering up their whole body. If you look at it closely, Joel, yeah, you will see that it has all the implications of grief. Mm. Of grief, that's what it is. Grief, grief, yes. grief incarnate. That's right. It's it's. Uh, I mean, it's it's very compelling. It's very good artwork. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm I'm very impressed. I mean, if you look in this room that you've had for nine years, you could see it's it's like a, a mini museum itself. Well, of course, much of it is my my husband's yeah. work, and he was very prolific. He did woodcuts. He did paint. He he painted with oil. He painted with watercolor. He he painted with every medium, and he would make uh, engravings. And you can see here. 
that all the uh, all of his his work. This is Metamorphosis of Grief here. Yeah, that's a reflection of his experience in Italy. Ah, I see. Playing the recorder. That's a woodcut. <laughs> this is Androcles and the Lion. So does woodcut mean that he cuts it into wood and then prints with that piece that's of wood? Right. That's okay. right. That's right. He uses right. the wood like a stamp. Yes. Those are those are uh, drawings with pen and ink, and they are of children's stories. That's beautiful. I mean, it's all all just phenomenal stuff. So you, that's, I just want to tell you that that is also he he he. It was a woodcut, and that's mother and child. Oh yeah, that. I see that. Yes. So he was very prolific, and he would be asked to give lectures because he was very intellectual. So he gave lectures in in, uh, in various places on various subjects, most of it related to Judaism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very nice. I I mean, it's it you know it it's it's sad that he he went as soon as he did. Yes, but all in all, I mean, it um it's you know he left quite a legacy. Yes, yes. In back of you is is a Don Quixote. And uh, and that's a Cervantes story. That's a that's oil painting. It's beautiful. Yeah. So, um, I mean, so in the fellowship, this is just my impression. You know, you, it seems like yeah, you do keep yourself pretty busy. You're you're of of all you know of the members. I think you're quite active. You help with um, some chores like uh, putting away the silverware. You do that quite often. <laughs> you uh, you do artwork for the the Christmas sale, um, where you help uh, put um, yeah. uh, pressed pressed flowers. You do that also for our name cards. We have the best name cards and and anywhere and all the place cards. Yes, yeah, and all the place cards. They yeah. they all have pressed flowers, <laughs> and uh, you also had this the latest thing. I don't know how long you've been doing it, but you put you were gluing. Old hearing aid batteries <laughs> in artistic ways onto lands, you know, onto to canvases, yeah. and uh, and selling that at the um, at the Christmas sale. Uh, was that something new this year? Well, I get, <clears throat> I guess so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it was cool because you know you you were saying that you 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 have so many used batteries and. You know, you oh, got- people give them to me. I because when you throw them out, they that's a very you can't put them in the regular dump. Yeah. So what are they going to do with them? Yeah, exactly. Make some art, and uh, you are um, play the recorder. That's right. You have all the the sizes, and and so May Louise and I are both um, you know lovers of music. We play recorder duets and and you know work try to work to to improve to, to improve both both classical and jazz both classical and jazz <laughs> that's right and i enjoy it immensely you know i've always wanted i i want to do everything i mean really you know and so so i'm happy to find the opportunity and also find the opportunity to to help anyone that i can you know and so we we perform most weeks <laughs> and we'll meet again this wednesday um so it it's just it's it's nice it's it's a pleasant thing. I mean, is, is there anything else you want to say about maybe how the fellowship like how how it's treated you how like the things that you like about it or the things that are not so easy? What it's like to be older? 
I think the fellowship is a wonderful place, and, and it's intergenerational. That's one part, very, very wonderful thing. But of course, I I've not explored any place else. But this is a this is it from talking with other people who have come here. And but I had, I mean, I for me, it's a wonderful place. Yeah, and I see you often doing walks yeah. around here. Yeah. Um, I mean, what does intergenerational mean to you? Like, tell but, me, tell me an example of what makes that that so nice. The intergenerational. A lot of people, a lot of places for older people are just for older people. You don't see any younger people there, and they stay with each other. The the older people, but here to have children here. Uh, and to have, of course, we have our co-workers from Germany, most of them. It's, it's, and it's interactive and, and the, the, I like the kids here growing up and knowing that they can be a part of the adult society also. Yeah. I, I think it's nice that, you know, I don't have to leave my kids behind all the time. You know, a lot of times fathers are gone. All the time, you know, and here, like, we're always close, and a lot of times I can even take the kids with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As you see. Yes, yes. So yes. when they come in here, you know, it's it's uh, it's not exactly the most childproof room, so right. I have to I have to always be careful that they're not going to knock over a vase yeah. or, or a little, you know, some pottery or some something. But uh, that it is it is very nice, and so like I was saying, you you take a lot of walks, and uh, that must be nice around here. I, I I used to take a lot of walks, but now unfortunately I have this sciatica, and that kind of uh, is a damper. Yeah, speaking of that, you know, you've probably gotten slower and a little less. I mean, I'm sure the sciatica, amongst other things, what's it been like for you accepting? this phase in your life to to live having lived this long well to be in this i mean you probably had to come to some sort of acceptance of of getting less able to do things well yes it's, it's, it can be frustrating sure any injury that that hinders your your activities that you but I I use a, a a walker and I could walk around and but I this is a beautiful place. I mean the the uh, the land here is is fantastic, and I can I could do a lot of walking still if I walk with a walker. But it's still, you know, it, 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 age catches up with you. So. Yeah, I I um I just think about that because I I know that um I mean you are actually in in the case of a lot of people here are 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 pr- doing pretty well you know some people have no choice in and you know being have, having to be taken care of in certain ways and often you have to deal with it i mean it's a it's a it's a wonderful maturity that you find when you deal with that a lot but still i think it's something that we often don't think of is that at some point if we live long enough we're going to have to get help and we're going to have to have help in the most personal ways, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I just, I just deal with it often that, you know, people having to accept, come to that sort of acceptance and maybe that hasn't quite happened for you yet. You know, <laughs> <laughs> do you keep that in mind at all? Yeah. You're, you're 92 now. 
93. 93 <clears throat> and a half. <laughs> right. But, of course, it was a sad day when Miriam when we lost Miriam. Yeah, and that was not not too long ago. I mean, I I came here two years ago, and I think it was not that much long earlier than that, right? She's she's been gone. I think about four years. Yeah, so it was a couple years before I yeah. I came here. Our family. Yeah, and if you've seen the issue of getting to know you. That whole one issue was devoted entirely to her. There, that that's um. So, uh, I we haven't mentioned that yet, but you that's another thing you do is getting to know you. What is that? That is uh, every issue has uh, two or three members and maybe a couple of coworkers. Because it well that started that started when I came so, so here. So an issue it's it's a periodical. Well, we used to put it out once a month, uh-huh. but uh, it, it's not true anymore. <laughs> I I like how you write on it. The uh, what what did you write? Something about the occasional newsletter where we talk about. I I, I think that you said something that was funny about how how it comes out whenever it does. Yes, <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, that's true, but we I did this, of course, with uh, someone who came here. We just sat across from each other, and he was looking around and talking with people. That, you didn't know Larry, I don't think, no. And he said, you know, the people here are so interesting when you talk with them. So because I was sitting at his, at, we were sitting at the same table all the time, and they'd clear the dishes, and we would still be talking. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we started at that time this getting to know you, and we we interviewed people. We had a list, and, and then uh, Herbert and Liesel and I. When Larry died, we we would be, we became the staff, and then that's where when we continued with it with the getting to know you and it's really there are so many interesting lives here oh yeah yeah that's kind of part what i'm starting to to work on here i'm getting to know may louise (laughs) (laughs) and uh so that that's great i mean if there's anything else you want to talk about feel free but if if you want i can get that microphone out of your face and you can you can uh get on with your life (laughs) okay and thank you joel and it's always a pleasure to play with you oh well it's my pleasure what you're doing here (laughs) you make things move yeah i try my best thank you very much i really appreciate that